Historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for all discussions, reviews, examinations, and theorizing. That's the word of all things Trek. I'm your host, Scott Madison, and I'm joined with such a panel as to warrant a Vulcan ritual. We have so many people today. Joining us on the panel, we have the the head, the big kahuna, the honcho of the Infinite Potato Alliance podcast network. Sean Ray, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. And in honor of the launch of Moon Show at the end of this podcast, I will moon the show. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, gee whiz, my uh, my video just went out. Uh, I, guess <laughs> I guess I'm doing this whole rest of the show audio only. Joining us as well, we have Rick. How are you? I'm sorry, I'm only human from the neck up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Joining us from Moon Show, the Good host job. of our newest podcast endeavor herself, Nick Yeager. How are you? Why are you wearing that silly hat? <laughs> and finally joining us once again, my brother from the same mother, and I probably used that joke before, Tom Madison. How are you? It's all to deepen the ceremony. <laughs> I want one of those hats, by the way. The, the, was the a... backward delta. That drove me nuts. Oh, I didn't catch that. It was backwards. Oh, no. Oh, I that's all awesome. that. Up. I oh, wish it had, I wish it had been the I wish it had been the helmet with the little siren on top but <laughs> <laughs> It was a not too bad beanie that he had on. With See, all the these references, is, oh, go ahead. Well, just in Florida, we don't get to wear winter clothes very often, but like during our quote-unquote winter, I do wear that that kind of toque because it's, you know, it's my ears get cold and uh, so, you know, I don't want like the big heavy one with the pom-pom, but that would be perfect with the little Delta on it. Well, and you I know, if I do put it out. It's going to be like 40 bucks or something. I mean, it's not like this is the first time we've ever seen Spock wear a beanie. He wore it in uh, yeah. the city on the edge of forever. So mm -hmm. uh, funny callback to that, I guess. Let's see th this episode of, of strange new worlds dropped on Thursday. So I would say come Tuesday, check Etsy. Mm -hmm. Or just go to Walmart, get a navy toque, and just like sew on a little patch. That's true. Yeah, That's you true. can find a Delta patch somewhere. If if I could find a Kayshawn hand puppet from Lower Decks <laughs> less than a week after that episode aired, then you can find a beanie. Yes, As you guys can probably tell from all the references and the quotes right, we are backwards. discussing, see, I was carrying on with the show. 
He was we like are, to ignore that. We are discussing this week Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 5, titled Charades, written by Catherine Lynn and Henry Alonzo Myers, and directed by Jordan Canning. Uh, as we often do, I'm going to go around the circle real quick and just get everyone's uh, initial thoughts on the episode overall. As normal, in backward order, I'm going to start with Tom. What did you think of this week's episode? So on our Facebook pages, we've I've, I've seen something go around. I think Rick shared it initially about a item can be uh, bad, but you still enjoy it. Am I summarizing that yes. correctly? Okay. Or just because you enjoy a thing doesn't mean it's good. Okay. Yeah. I didn't say it was good. I said I liked it. Yeah. So that's that's my thought on this episode. Um, it I enjoyed it, but that does not say it was good. Um, I'm expecting that in the next comedy episode they do in uh, a few weeks. You know, they try Two to weeks. spread them out a little bit. Okay. Um, the next comedy episode is going to be. Uh, a couple of them carrying around a dead body, uh, a la Weekend at Bernie's, because that's the sitcomy level tropes that I feel that we're falling into with the wacky hijinks. And I got to give a shout out to Neek's uh, super neemic, uh, her uh, concise kneecap, that uh, <laughs> the, the excessive but appropriate use uh, of the word hijinks. Because that's what this was. It was very apt. And speaking of the Neek caps, Neek, what did you think of this week's episode? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Tom. I, I'm not sure if I liked it. The first time I watched it, I, I, I don't know. I was sort of numb, like I neither liked it nor disliked it. I was just like, okay. And usually when I, or always, when I watch it for the purpose of recapping it, you know, I'm much more critical. I, I pay much closer attention. I'm really breaking things down. And, you know, I could watch this, I might watch the same scene like five times in a row because I'm trying to get the perfect screen grab. And so therefore I really notice things and, and, and so for this one, I, it's almost like my initial reaction of not really being sure was heightened in both directions. There were things I really liked. There are things I thought worked well. I typically enjoy the comedic episodes of Star Trek, but there were also a lot of things in this one that bothered me. And once again, I feel this is... <laughs> um, often occurs with Star Trek that the mistakes, if you will, or the the strange choices, or I don't know, the choices I don't agree with are so easy to avoid. This can so easily be written around or written just like slightly differently to avoid that I, I'm often left confused to be like, you know, why did they make this choice? Was it deliberate? Are they trying to say something that I'm just not getting? Or are they just like supremely lazy? Or did something get messed up on the cutting room floor like what is it because there are certain things and you know we can go into details later about what those things are where I just don't understand why they made that choice and so yeah I, I'm I'm ready to be swayed one way or the other by the rest of you <laughs> I think tonight so 
it's going to be one of those episodes. We're going to change. <laughs> we're going to change some minds on that Star Trek podcast this week. Next up, let's get Rick's take. What did you think of this episode of Strange New Worlds? I ain't going to change nothing. <laughs> so, uh, I really liked three quarters of this episode, and I despised the Bewitched episode in the middle of it. Larry and his <laughs> wife are coming over for dinner, and Darren's been turned into a frog, and we need to find some way to not let them see he's a frog. Oh, man, this pissed me off. <laughs> uh, I, I Watching it a second time, I'm glad I watched it a second time. I almost didn't. Um, because when we, when we finished it the first time, I was pissed. I was like, what the actual F are you doing to this show? Uh, and then I watched it again, and I saw it was just that section, the whole thing with the, the Vulcan mother-in-law and the, and the wimpy husband and the we can't let anyone know. And it just drove me up the wall because, like you, like you said, Tom, it was every sitcom trope crammed into, into this, this segment. Um, I I appreciate that they're tr- that they've been trying to redo the Vulcans ever since basically Enterprise, um, and that a you know a race with absolutely no emotions is kind of difficult to to believe and and hard to write for and stuff like that. Um, but this was this was just like they're not even pretending that they don't have emotions, and that that just it felt a little too far in the wrong direction for Vulcans. You know, it would it would be like visiting a Klingon hug dungeon. You know, the joke that goes around every now and then about uh, Klingons that are into into cuddling and and stuff would be the BDSM of the Klingon Empire. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, It just I don't know. I I liked a lot. I think, you know, I don't think anybody did a bad job. You know, again, this has nothing to do with the cast and everything to do with, I think, that the writers of Star Trek have, you know, they heard they heard the fans crying out for episodic Trek and wanted to go back to the original formula, but I think they learned the wrong lesson from TNG, from uh, TOS. Because as much as I love TOS, even I'm like, you know, the, the storylines from back then weren't camp to be camp. That's just the way things were in the 60s. Now you're doing it because you think it's what we want. And no, because it doesn't work now. It barely worked then. And, you know, the, the, yeah. So we'll, we'll get into the details a bit later, but yeah, I, I, the stuff that wasn't the, the Vulcan ritual, I really liked that was just uh, unbearable. And finally, Sean, what did you think? I, I mean, mostly I enjoyed the episode. I mean, I, I, I agree with what, you guys are saying because it was not a bad episode and every iteration of star trek has had episodes where they do cliche science fiction tropes like we've had shrinking episodes and we've had body swapping episodes and and um this is one of those because i mean wasn't there an episode of voyager where they already did this with Bellana, where they yes, took, I mean, it they was took a very, Klingon out of her. It, it was a very different thing, though. In Voyager, it was it was not comedy at all. It was actually yeah, a yeah, yeah. episode. Yeah, but it had the same idea of yeah of exploring like what does it mean to be 
they actually made two different Balanas, one fully Klingon, one fully human. And it was about how both, well, it was largely about how the human part could not function without the Klingon part. It was less about what it was. Yeah. So. Yeah. They, they, and they, this episode could have been more because there could have been a lot more seriousness where Spock like really was able to deal with his human side because his Vulcan side wasn't there for him to depend on for him to, you know, fall back on or whatever. Um, it, it seems strange that every time strange new worlds wants to do one of these science fiction tropey type episodes, it involves Spock. <laughs> I guess he's, he's really the only alien uh, in the, in the main cast because uh, what was his name? The engineer from last season, he died. So, mm-hmm. um, so I guess, uh, I guess that's part of it. And Ethan Peck does have some comedy chops, you know? So, I mean, he can do comedy and, and he can do uh, the serious stuff, but um, yeah, there was, there was some tropey stuff in here that I felt could have been handled differently. Uh, but it probably wouldn't have made it as much of a comedy episode. I did have some problems with uh, the way the episode ended, but we'll we'll get to that in a, in a while. I see that I did like. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm with Stone on this one. We will get into that later. <laughs> we will. Now, now, after last week's episode of that Star Trek podcast, when I tried taking us through the episode in an extended synopsis and making stops along the way to have discussions. Um, I didn't like it. So I'm not going to do it that way this time. This time I have some, some broader topics that I just want to bring up and get, get everyone's take on as we go. And I will assume that all you listeners out there have already watched this episode. So you don't need a synopsis. If you want synopses, go to moon show because they are fantastically written. <laughs> so to start off, why is Moon Show doing synopses of Star Trek? That's strange. <laughs> <laughs> because everything has to be about Star Trek. <laughs> uh, so the first uh, the first broad aspect I want to talk about is not necessarily a plot element or a story element. I wanted to get everyone's take on Ethan Peck's performance in this episode. And just go ahead, jump in with whatever you guys got. What did we think of of how Ethan uh, uh, pulled off the performance uh, in, in all stages? Uh, Ethan Peck is always, character. yeah, he's always great. I mean, because yeah. because he's great as Spock anyway. But like I said a minute ago, he's got the comedy chops, so he can he can he can play this character up and 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 deal with. Oh, I'm human now. What the f-, you know. <laughs> that was hilarious. That All was, of that. We were rolling during the during the credits. Yeah, <laughs> he he was very charming, very cute. Like he did a great job, and it's almost a shame that we're never gonna get to see this side of Spock again. Because <laughs> because he was so. I mean, you know what? It made me think of um, oh, Tuvix in a way because. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on Tuvix. Just just in the sense that, you know, Tuvix was more likable than Neelix. Yeah. And then then you're like, oh, it's kind of a shame. Like, not even from a viewer point of view. The other people on the ship, 
you know, all of Spock's friends might have been thinking like, oh, this version of Spock is kind of chill. He's kind of cool. Like, were any of them sad to see Spock go back to normal? And that might have been something interesting to explore. There were like a lot of missed opportunities in this episode because they did choose to go the comedy route. And it, because Spock was more, aside from almost assaulting Kirk the Lesser, (laughs) you know, he was way more chill, way more fun and just like kinder. Although it does also seem as though he, he, you know, learned a very valuable lesson because it was an after-school special yeah. as well as a comedy and learned to appreciate his human side more. Um, didn't learn and to, I have more to uh, say about that, but is there uh, anyone else who wants to comment yeah. on Ethan Peck? I he didn't learn to he... appreciate to bring, that's for sure. <laughs> well, that, that's another book. Anyway, uh, I, I liked how he brought a subtlety to a performance that could have been over the top and... I'm sure it was, you know, maybe not equal parts, but I'm sure there was, you know, some direction involved there too. But I was waiting, you know, when he had sort of the, the overdid it with the, with the, the crew about the joke. And, and it it tiptoed right up to the edge of, of too much, but it didn't go over. It didn't like go so far over the line that everybody, that it was, you know, annoying. It was like everybody, instead of going, this guy is a jerk. They went, we need to get you to sick because <laughs> this is not right, even for you know your situation. And and Peck played it beautifully. And his his terror was wonderful. His the the times he almost lost his temper, or or did, but never he never took it too far. I I, I was really impressed with how he played the care the part. And again, let me let me just reiterate my displeasure with this episode had nothing to do with the actors. I think they all did a great job, mm-hmm. but especially Peck. Yeah, he re- he knocked it out of the park on this one. Yeah. Tom, you got anything for for this topic? Nothing to add. No, I, I think he did great. So, all right. Did anyone and I- notice? And this is just just while we're talking about Ethan. The last scene just before Chapel comes into his quarters, there's that just close up of his face. He looked so much like Mark Leonard there. I didn't notice. I, 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 go back and just look. Just look at that that frame. I was like, he could easily be Mark Leonard's son in that scene. I know he's he's Gregory Peck's grandson, but just I don't know if it was if he's just always had that resemblance and I never noticed it or or just that particular framing. But wow, he looked like Mark Leonard in that scene. That shot. No, I didn't catch it, but I, I was only able to watch the episode once and it was like three hours ago. <laughs> um, as, as for Ethan's performance, I, I agree with everyone. I think he, he did a fantastic job. Uh, the one part of his performance and and Spock's hand in hand with Spock's behavior throughout the episode. And I couldn't figure out if this was if this was an actor choice, if it was a writer choice or if it was a director choice. And that being uh, after he becomes fully human and begins experiencing uh, emotions unfettered for the first time for the duration of the episode up until he gets the cure. He kind of turns in as as Laan described, he kind of turns into a teenager. There, There were points throughout the episode where I found that 
the episode was towing that line of he's experiencing emotions for the first time and that's new right up against he's forgetting completely forgetting who he was before it's not not just access to or or feeling emotions that he didn't let himself feel before but also being like a whole new person regressing in age behaving illogically i think that that that's really the the main thing of it is having emotions doesn't steal your logic away he should still be just as logical as he was before but now he's confused by emotions he kind of got it it almost seemed like a little stupid (laughs) at various points in this episode not being able to understand things that he should be able to understand and it didn't it didn't really bother me it didn't take me out of it It it's just something that i noticed i was a little bit confused by that his his like core character shifted more than i would have expected just with the addition of emotions yeah the thing that the thing that i kept noticing or kept asking myself during this episode is that uh the vulcans and their logic that's 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 training and that's something that they learn it doesn't really have anything to do with their physiology yeah, it does. So just because he loses his Vulcan DNA doesn't mean he's going to forget what logic is and how to be himself. Wait, no, I mean, they, it makes it funny for the story, but. But no, the Vulcan brain is they, they've it, that's been a plot point in a lot of different episodes where, you know, Vulcans have different brains and they're they are inherently smarter than humans are able to calculate more and stuff like that. And I'm not I don't recall when exactly. But uh, l- lately, Trek seems to have forgotten that there is a physiological, or at least there used to be, <laughs> uh, a physiological component in the Vulcan brain that represses emotion. Which is why, as Sarek got the Vulcan version of Alzheimer's, he, he wasn't able to anymore. Um, and I'm and pretty to Paul with that um, trillium D. Uh, poisoning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so there is a there is a significant physiological difference between well uh, okay Maybe yeah but that because... wouldn't make him for that wouldn't make him forget who he is and it wouldn't make him forget what logic is and the things but that he, he may not be learned. able to do the but he may not be able to do the calculations as as easily as a full human as he could as a half vulcan now i it, it one thing that just occurred to me is that because Spock is half Vulcan, you know, if something like this had happened to say Tuvok, I think the, the effect might've been far worse, but for Spock, instead of it being, you know, a, a giant leap to being human, it was just sort of a half step. Thank you for saying something there, Rick, because it, it was really bugging me that there was something familiar about uh, Spock's, dealing with this and his his switch to the human emotions and it very much paralleled uh an episode of voyager where they were all captured and um made to be forced laborers on this planet with their labor shortage they all work, lost workforce their memory. workforce thank you workforce part one and two and tuvok uh was the way he was responding especially with jokes was very similar to um to how Spock was going here. Uh, and I almost wonder if it was deliberate to do that. 
possibly. But it could be. That kind of goes against your argument there. That it is a memory thing, not a biology thing. But that, but that's what I'm saying is that that I, I it may even have been somewhere in TNG, and I could be, I could be, I could be wrong about this. That's entirely no. I possible. don't. I don't think you're wrong, but I don't. But Spock was not to me acting that differently. That and that's that's what I'm saying is because like, he's already half human. It wasn't that well, big. Of that's a it. And so basically, you know, like the scene where he does get angry with um with Kirk. He, you know, when he's repressing his emotions, you can see he's very irritated. But he's like, okay, I'll just clean up the mess. But then when he is full human, basically all he's doing is choosing to no longer suppress his emotions. I guess he, he even though he could remember that training, I guess he just doesn't have the mental discipline anymore to repress it. Therefore, he, he loses his shit and attacks Kirk. But he's still the same person. He's still irritated by that mess. It's not like yeah. becoming human, all of a sudden he's so chill that he's no longer fastidious. No, he's still very irritated by someone else making a mess. He's the mm. same guy at his core. Just more Felix Unger than he was before. Yeah, it's just mm, now mm, when mm. he gets angry, he actually expresses that anger. Well, or like now well, when he gets turned on by Lan, he actually makes eye contact with her. And, and can I say that scene right there, when I watched it a second time, I had remembered it being far more lascivious than it actually was. It was actually very subtle. Yeah, it was actually endearing. And 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 I like how Laan was like, okay, we're done now. <laughs> <laughs> she never she didn't like say it in a way that would hurt him. She was like, Good. I'll see you later. <laughs> Did you guys notice the uh uh when Spock like when he got up and started screaming that uh George did the classic meme Kirk thing where he no, you know I, that that, no. that meme where Kirk is all like that. Yeah. They 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 kind of recreated that for that scene. <laughs> but but one last thing, Sean, to to answer answer your what you were taught, what you were address, what you were saying. Something just occurred to me because I hate math. I've always hated math. I'm no good at math, and part of the reason I'm no good at math is that when I get deep enough into an equation or a mathematical concept that I start getting confused rather than working through it, I get frustrated and I turn away. So if Spock is dealing with frustration, which is a, a you know, a completely foreign emotion to him or should be at least as far from a logical standpoint with the logic, then that is a way that emotion can interfere with the ability to be logical. Because even though the, the framework is there, you know, I know how to do one plus one equals two, but when I do one plus A times B equals, you know, four or whatever, and I start getting confused, rather than just calming myself down and and or or just pushing through and, and figuring it out, I get frustrated and I, you know, mentally flip the table and walk away. Um when the wasn't he talking? Wasn't it La, uh, Laan that said he needed to work on impulse control? Yeah, <laughs> that really sums up all of his issues. Um, I mean, he he just had that impulse control uh, taken from him. And I mean, look, the bacon, the uh, the laughter, you know, all of it just kind of stems on stuff that he could have pulled back in, and it just he didn't have that. 
you know, one thing I would have loved them to do in the, I mean, the Pike's, the Pike cooking Spock, Pike Spock cooking in the bacon scene was great. I just would have loved just an acknowledgement of Pike to go, Spock, you know, that's meat, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I caught the absence of that, uh, of that mention as well. <clears throat> Unless it's replicated, but, then it's not. It's, just stuff. Uh, well, uh, it, it it probably still is, but I <laughs> I didn't think of that. Well, they no, they don't I, have replicators yet. Yes, they do. I, no, they number don't. one, number one, use a replicator on Discovery to create to make a cheeseburger and jalapeno fries. And and Michael <laughs> did the same thing on Discovery in season one to make breakfast burritos with um, what like I think roasted red peppers or something. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so right. it's it's not. <laughs> It's not a food replicator as we know them from TNG onward. It is a food synthesizer, which is why Pike said you want to use real herbs, not synthesized, because you can tell the difference. Yeah. So they're they're acknowledging that the way they do food in the 23rd century is, yes, different than TNG. and It's made from our onward. shit. <laughs> Thank you. Admiral, what's his name? I already forgot. <laughs> we it, we've been waiting a while for Discovery. I forget that Admiral's name. Um, Admiral Hottie. Did you guys like the callback to uh, Enterprise where uh, Spock talks about having nasal suppressants so that he wouldn't have to smell the humans? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like that. Nice little <laughs> bit of continuity. Any yeah. series or movie that acknowledges the existence of Star Trek Enterprise. Is, yeah. is a win is a win for me i i did a little tiny clap in the theater during star trek beyond because um idris elba's character mentioned the zindi I, go, I was happy yeah. for that well he was also an ex mako so <laughs> yeah that too um and rick to, uh, to to what we were saying about the bacon <clears throat> i chose to interpret spock asking why he was feeling nauseated I attributed that to the fact that it, that he was eating meat, not because he was having too much of it, but because it was meat. I and, and then that's fine. That's I just I wish for the people who are new to tar to Star Trek, I wish they had mentioned that Vulcans are vegetarians, so that that mm -hmm. that scene. You know, there are scenes where if you're in on the joke, you can appreciate it more. But I think that joke really needed some explanation for people who may not know. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to do a comedy episode, make the comedy accessible. All right, next topic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, um, Dom. <laughs> so the the next topic, um, it, it's going to be hard to to get around <clears throat> uh, Ethan throughout this episode. Pretty much all the topics are going to have to do with him. Uh, well, it's a Spock episode, so... Yeah, yeah, just not as as specifically as, as that first one, but uh, we already talked about the uh, mm -hmm. the the trope of showing him go through his day and and suppressing his emotions, uh, you know, in in the bar while Ortegas is telling jokes and uh, learning how to cook and in the the briefing with Sam. Um, what did everyone think of? those examples of of spock suppressing his emotions and then the the counterpoint of those same situations uh when he was now feeling those emotions at, on the surface i did did that play well for everyone uh 
could they have done it differently? Was was it was it too tropey? The only well, thing I didn't like about sorry, the only thing I didn't like about the you know the the him not laughing and then laughing at the joke is that they seemed to imply that he was like data and that he didn't understand humor prior yeah. to being full human. And it's like, no, like Vulcans understand humor. They use humor all the time. I mean, Tuvok was a freaking laugh riot. Like they <laughs> understand it. They just don't laugh. They're, they're just suppressing their, their amusement, but that doesn't mean they don't understand a joke. Whereas in this one, when he was human, and he he seemed surprised by his own laughter, and he was like, "I get it, I get it." And it's like, okay, you're not data. Like this is a I I I thought that was a misinterpretation of what it is to to be Vulcan in 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 regards to humor. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like they had to show us at the beginning. They they don't have to show us who Spock is. We know who Spock is. You know, I I, I get for this episode they have to show us a little bit of this so that they can show us later on the difference or whatever, but we already know who Spock is and how he responds to things. Uh, so it's, it just seemed kind of a strange choice to like be reminding us that Spock doesn't have emotions and stuff like that. Um, the, the only thing in that, in that little triptych Montage. of scenes that I thought was, was necessary was the, the, the thing with George with the plate. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the the joke things. I, I agree. You're 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 not wrong, Nick. I didn't. It didn't dawn on me at the time. But yeah, that was that was a little over the top. But um, you know the one thing that that bothered me, and this is a stupid thing to be bothered by. But the first time when when Ortega says whatever whatever the the punchline was, and everybody's like ah, and Spock's just sitting there going whatever. Uh, but then when they did it the second time, I that writing trope isn't even the right word, but where you only hear the punchline of the joke, so you don't have to hear yeah. the whole joke. I hate it, that. it works once. I think I really wish they had had whatever story Ortegas was telling the second time. We actually hear the whole thing so that then if it's like, really not that funny and Spock goes berserk laughing at it it would it, it had that it would have had that much much more punch mm -hmm. but you have to go the safe route because if you only do the punchline and not the rest of the joke then the reaction of everyone else La'an, Uhura Una all of them losing their absolute faces at this joke and you don't have to be faced with the audience saying that joke is not that funny. Yeah, it had, you had to pretend like it was a really funny joke. <laughs> I guess they, I mean they did the same thing in uh, uh, Star Trek Generations when when uh, Data got the joke from Encounter at Farpoint, and we just hear, you know, he says the punchline and mm -hmm. and he just starts <laughs> laughing at it. So. Every show does that, but I, yeah. I agree, Rick. It's 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 lazy. I agree. Mm. Though I do think that uh, the, these establishing scenes at the beginning were not as much to remind the audience, hey, Spock's a Vulcan, and Vulcan suppressed their emotions. It was making it clear at the beginning of this episode, they were resetting the baseline. Spock has been having trouble uh, controlling his emotions because he's he's been feeling them more since last season. So... They they start this episode off 
by showing, look, he's finally got it back under, under control. He's he's back to normal. We Yes, we know what normal is, but now we are illustrating that he has returned to that normalcy for well, him. He says he's back to normal, and then they show us that he isn't. You, they, they show us that he isn't after no. getting changed? Before or? No, before, because he's bothered by stuff. He's like, yeah, everything's fine. And then I think they were showing us the, the, the cracks in the armor. So I disagree. I, I think Go, Go ahead, Tom. Oh. I, I think that it's not so much showing he's back to normal, but it's showing his progress and how he's working towards that. It's also only, I wouldn't say only necessary, but it's just because of the previously on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, you know, the the recaps that they have there to show that he had the issue, he's working on it. So not that he's back, but it's a work in progress. Okay, we start with him giving a log saying, you know, yeah, I was I was all messed up before, but I'm all I'm all good now. And then, yes, the joke scene, fine. It's bugging the hell out of him that George made a mess on the table. And then we've got the scene with Mbenga and her and him and Spock in, or in Chapel and Spock in the elevator in the turbo lift. Where Spock is being absolutely. I, I, I he's 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 freaked out because Chapel's in the elevator with him. And I think right, but he was not acting out of character. Spock is always standoffish and a bit rude. <laughs> I... I mean, that's how Vulcans are. They're all standoffish and rude. Vulcans can be such jerks. They can. <laughs> I, 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 you, y'all aren't wrong about. You know, the, the they were setting a baseline, yes, but I think that baseline was showing us one: this is Spock without emotions, and I thought two was. Spock was not as under control as he thought he was to begin with. No, it could be. I, I can't say that's wrong. It, it, it's not how I was seeing it, but after, after, with you laying it out, I can see that. And again, and, you know, this is all subjective inter- interpretation. So yeah, it, know, it'll co- it'll come down to a rewatch to see if I to find out if I see that element that you're describing ne- next time I watch it. I feel like the. Um, I feel like the battle between the human side and the Vulcan side for Spock is his baseline, though. I mean, that that's part of who he is. He has these two versions of himself that are that he has to constantly keep the medium on, mm-hmm. you know, stay in the middle. So, um, yeah. And and then when he gets told that Chapel is going to be his passenger on the shuttle, which you know that was that was you know, plot. <laughs> Why only yep. send two and it's Spock and Chapel. Um again, he was uncomfortable. He was he was distracted by her being there, which is fine. You know, they that's what they've been dealing with all along is this will they won't they with with him and Chapel. But I think it goes against the fact that I'm saying I'm all better now. Uh it- it, it it might have been wishful thinking, and I'm, I'm I'm seeing your point. The the more you lay it out, and it it it's making more sense. Now, speaking of controlling emotions, time to talk about the ritual. 
I, I took very particular note of these panels in the neat cap. I want to throw to Neek first for the the ritual scene. Oh, I thought you were um, going to throw to her first for the wardrobe. <laughs> that looked uncomfortable. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, that that yeah. can't be. Yeah. Yeah. I made my thoughts known in the recap. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think that the trope of the shrewish, wife and the meek submissive husband is played out and does not belong on star trek uh i i i bought the mom as like a typical vulcan because we've seen plenty of evidence of vulcans being absolute assholes the dad was unbelievable to me he was bizarre like he was so deferential to his wife and i didn't see a trace of logic in him he just seemed like a dad like he belonged on, on an american sitcom he was so weird and and emotional yes indeed the, and the the first thing that happens when he walks in the room is pike presents everyone with you know, Vulcan appetizers that he made and the yeah, guy he, takes he one he, out. Yeah. He, he takes a bite and with a big smile on his face he says this is wonderful and I said what the hell is wrong with you Vulcan I thought yeah. they were going to go I thought they were going to go with the classic uh trope of uh, you know there's a thing in American television where the dad is always stupid you know but um there's a trope that happens a lot in TV shows and movies where the dad is kind of aloof and the mother is overbearing. And then at the end of it, the dad has had enough and he puts her in her place in front of everybody and all that. And I thought that's what they were going for, but they never did. It's just the only thing that happened was he said, Hey, have you got any more of that? Whatever. And Pike is like, yep. <laughs> with, with the snap and the, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but he never got to eat his little canapé. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> then the conversation got derailed. Yeah, they they didn't get, but that did lead to uh, what for me might have been the funniest moment in the episode. Kudos to Anson Mount for pulling off what might be the funniest scene with not making a sound. When he walks by with the tray of food, and he's like, "Ooh!" Yeah, he's yeah. he's coming up with with that tray of appetizers, and then he realizes that Spock is about to open up on his mother in law to be, and just. Takes the little look and subtly changes course and walks to the side yeah. off, off screen. Oh, I missed that. Oh, oh, I just go back and and just watch that scene so you can see Pike carrying the food and then turning and going the other direction. It's that it's a take that we've seen, you know, hundreds of times in movies and TV shows. So it's nothing new, but Anson Mount pulls it off, pitch perfect. You you couldn't ask for for better you know, physicality and physical comedy than than he did in that moment. I, I to me that was the highlight of the episode. And I, he was and he was wearing the casual green tunic again. Well, I, I was going to bring that up because it wasn't the casual green tunic. It was it was in the 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 discovery blue, but it was the wraparound. It was sort of like this really. I, I loved it. I'm not I'm not criticizing at all. It was one of the things I wanted to bring up. But it was it was the Discovery uniform blue. No, it, it wasn't looked it like was a dress green. uniform. It, it, was, green. it was the Kirk green. 
You need to adjust your television's color settings. Yeah, because it it came through looking more blue gray on my on my monitor, but it had the wraparound, which I I was seeing green with with the the texturing on the sleeves, with the delta on the chest, and the sideways delta down around the abdomen for the wraparound. It was the the same one that he wore in season one. Oddly enough, in another uh, Spock to Pring comedy episode. I just realized that now. I don't know Which, if they did that on purpose, but he also mentioned that when when he cooked the Vulcan dishes, that he had to use salt as a fermentation because the ship is the hotter than Vulcan. Is like, how hot is the ship? Because yeah, Vulcan is like I a desert. Well, he said it was hotter than Vulcan kitchens, which again is still weird. It should hell be pretty hot. Vulcan is a yeah. is a hell planet. Yeah, I I did find it kind of odd. I just assumed that what they're saying is while Vulcan the planet is incredibly hot vulcan kitchens aren't they 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 cook at lower temperatures i guess they love their air conditioning maybe it's because they they, they could have easily they could have easily gone with higher oxygen content because that is an established thing but oh yeah yeah did um so chapel is getting ready to go and uh i don't mean to be scott you're you're in charge. I'm I'm sitting here changing topics. <laughs> but uh Chapel is uh getting ready to go and uh apply for this fellowship on Vulcan and she's being quizzed on Corby's three principles of archaeological medicine. Isn't Corby the guy that she's engaged Wait, did it to? Say Corby? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Isn't Corby yeah, the guy that she's that. engaged to? Yeah. Well, not yet. She gets engaged to him yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. So Dr. she's not Richard met Corby. him yet. Roger Corby. Roger Corby. Yeah. 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 So do we want to get into that, into where we think they're going with the Chapel and Spock relationship? Um, I, I do want us to get into that, but uh, first I want to make sure that everyone had their say on, on the ritual scene. It was um, stupid. I don't want to talk about it. How's that? <laughs> oh, well, then I guess we're not talking about it. <laughs> no, but Rick, no I'm seriously. That, I, I literally skipped over that on my rewatch because it was it was re- it was annoyingly stupid to me but just like the trophy quality of it like the, the yeah, way it was, it was like it, over the top it was literally a, a i i was not kidding when i said it was like an episode of bewitched uh it was just the boss is coming over with his wife and something's goofy and we've got to hide it when when uh uh when they did the the spock and Jabring episode where they switch bodies and Rather than try to hide it, they immediately told Pike. That took the curse off the episode for me because I was like, oh, my God, we're going here. And then they they sidestepped the sitcom thing where everyone tries to hide what's going on. This one they didn't. And that really annoyed the hell out of me. Well, yeah, but it was important for the for the ending. Could, but I, I will it say was, it was. But they could have done something. I mean, yes, we have to set a rift between Spock and praying for what's coming. But, but I didn't like that one. But the what I I do think worked in the whole ritual scene was Spock getting an appreciation for the suffering of his mother. Yes, yes, you're right. So yeah. For me, that was the payoff. And that was more the purpose of all of that nonsense rather than driving a wedge between him and Jabrain. Well, there's I also the that, fact yeah. that uh they had the they had the part of the ceremony where Tapring's mother Basically just looks at Spock and tells him all the things that she finds wrong with him. And he sits there and takes it. He sits there and takes it as a person 
who is newly human, not in control of his emotions, lost his Vulcan side, and he takes it and doesn't say anything and keeps his composure, which tells me that he's a little more in control than uh, as time goes on. He's able to control it a little a little better because I've been a human for 46 years, and I probably would have told her <laughs> told her what she'd go do with herself. But <laughs> I mean, I've been in that situation where you're eating shit, and you're just like, hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Like, <laughs> what can, what can you do if there's a person in authority laying into you? You don't really have any choice. And so, whether you're human or not, so. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we want to get into the whole Vulcan culture thing. I mean, I, I don't think that ritual is um, unbelievable for what we know of Vulcans up to this point. But it maybe this is my own perceptions. Maybe I'm projecting. I feel like as the franchise goes on, they just keep doubling down on the idea that Vulcans are the worst. Does, it's like, is there anyone out there still, like, still on Team Vulcan? Like, like, when I was a kid, like, I, I, I really thought the Vulcans were good guys. And as I, you know, matured and as the franchise has carried on, I, I came to realize, like, oh no, they're like they're allies of the humans, but they're bad in the sense that they're an example, sort of like the Ferengi of like. This is how you're not meant to be. Because when I was a child, I thought they were aspirational. And I eventually realized it's like, oh, no, they're actually an example of how we should not be. Mm -hmm. so, I, I wouldn't see that as a change in your perspective as much as a change in how they're presented. Because I think TOS, Spock, and Vulcans were presented uh, outside of T'Pring. You know, Spock's representation is that almost you know, he's being logical. Yeah, he's needling McCoy a little bit. But then you get into um, Next Gen and Voyager and stuff, and that's where they're, well, especially Enterprise. Enterprise yeah, Enterprise is where they kind of, the, the, the Vulcans, the Vulcans yeah. are kind of, I mean, these the Vulcans are kind of racist. <laughs> they, they I mean, they think not that, kind of. Like, yeah, massively. I mean, yeah, that, they're, they're, their whole idea is that we have to we have to babysit all these other races so that they don't screw everything up, you know. <laughs> well, and and that was one of my biggest problems with Enterprise at the time, because like Unique, I grew up, I you know, I, on any given day, if you asked me, if you asked like eight year old me, would you rather be Kirk or Spock? I I really wanted to be Spock, but then I also wanted to be Kirk because who didn't? Um, but you know the Vulcans were these this superhuman race that we we loved, and you know we had Spock who was half Vulcan, so there was some wiggle room there for for Nimoy to play with the character a bit. But then we saw Sarek, and even Sarek wasn't that big of a douche, not yet. <laughs> um, you know he was he was proud, and but you know I love the way he put Gav in his place in the in the 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 little cocktail party they were having and uh you know when ultimately he couldn't hide the fact that he was dying he admitted stuff and then that little exchange in, in sick bay at the end between spock and his father and amanda telling them you know they can all go to hell and mccoy telling everybody to shut up that was you know that was genius um 
and then we get and then TNG still portrayed the Vulcans as cool for the most part. And we saw Sarek and they they allowed Sarek to uh to expand on it. And in the in the move the, the movies, we saw more of Sarek. And I don't think he ever you know, the closest he ever came to an emotional outburst was was in uh Search for Spock when they get back to Vulcan and Talar says, you know, you want me to put do this. We haven't done this in 10,000 years. It's not logical. And Sarek says, you know, my logic is uncertain where my son is concerned. But even then, he's very matter of fact about it. He's like, yeah, I know it's it's a stupid thing, but it's my it's my boy. But he still stays very Vulcan through that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then we get into Enterprise and every Vulcan is just a raging asshole. And it really bothered me with the contempt openly displayed on the exactly surface. not not just being you know, you know it was like you people suck you stink you don't belong in space stop bothering us but that and, wasn't invented in enterprise i mean in ds ds9 the vulcans were pretty shitty uh, uh, there was that, that the, baseball episode yeah. which i yeah, hated take, take me out to the hall suite which, which well is even true. if you hated the episode the episode happened you're right you're right absolute <laughs> monsters <laughs> And and yes, that, that's true. They they were portrayed that way in that episode. And and I I take your point, but at the same time, I think that that episode was intending to portray that particular Vulcan captain and his crew as as more uh, uh, prejudiced and more racist against humans than average. They they were from what we had seen up until then. They were they were outliers. But it was when we got to Enterprise. That's not where it started, but that's where they they really solidified their their new take on Vulcans with them being. I don't know. I mean, again, I love Tuvok, but he was openly hostile towards Neelix. He was Mm -hmm. not hiding his contempt at any point. You're right. You're you're right. And and Tuvok actually had one of my favorite Vulcan lines ever when he described his people as dispassionate um and that that was that was great i love that but i still think tuvok was far more yeah he didn't like neelix maybe because i agreed with him i mean who did (laughs) problem (laughs) um but i think what we see of of Vulcans who are around humans, which is, you know, Spock and and Tuvok. I, I love Tuvok, by the way. I think Tim Russ's portrayal of Tuvok was one of the best Vulcan portrayals ever. Um, it, it was more irritation than xenophobia. But in any case, Tom, your point stands that as the franchise has gone on, they've made the Vulcans worse and worse and worse yeah yeah i agree with that increasingly cruel yeah yeah and bring bringing it back to the ritual to wrap it up uh was at some someone check me is it to prill is that to bring the mother yeah to prill is the mother to prill yeah evil harpy beast yeah yeah what was she being (laughs) were they showing us an especially hateful and inconsiderate Vulcan or were they showing us that mothers-in-law are the worst? Yes. 
what were they trying to say in this episode? Both. I think you could look at it either either way. I mean, uh, mother-in-laws, I don't want to disparage every mother-in-law. Some mother-in-laws are wonderful, but my mother-in-law is uh, awesome. <laughs> but uh but yeah there's a lot of relationships out there between men and their mother-in-law that it's not great you know but um and i think they might have been playing off of that a little bit because of the humor that they needed for this episode um i i think that it's just it, it, it's an easy thing for vulcans to, to have a vulcan on the show that wants to say bad things about Spock because they don't like the fact that he's half human. Um, I mean, that's an easy, that's an easy thing to write in there. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it was kind of low hanging fruit to have that relationship the way it was anyway, but it was supposed to be a comedy episode and that's what they wanted to go for, I guess. I mean, All they right. have to drive a wedge between Spock and T'Pring. We, we, I mean, that that's what is coming up for the characters. And it's I, funny that you bring that up, Rick, because that's going to be the final topic for today is where do the relationships end with Spock and chapel Spock and to bring the relationship. That, okay. That's, so this I, is... I'm just making it clear. We're, we're moving on to the, onto the final topic. Now, well, Rick, we also continue. haven't talked about the whole, the whole aliens and the, and how Spock got messed up and, Oh, the magic aliens. I mean, they were fine. It was interesting, but it, I, to, to me, they, the instructions they were bad. From, <laughs> they, they, they came from, from the plot device uh, interdimension. Yeah. The uh, only thing that I wanted to bring up about that subplot was Chapel recruiting Ahura and Ortegas to go on the mission to get whatever cure for Spock. None of that made sense. She it was implied that they did not get authorization to go, but she never outright said it. I wanted a clear answer on that. I wanted to know, did they or did they not get Pike's authorization for that mission? Because I'm sorry. I, I I can't. I cannot deal with people going on missions without permission. That is yeah. not okay. Let's just and take so a shuttle and just go do it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't do that. Like, if they're saying that, if that, then that's a whole, that needs its own episode. That needs to be what the episode is about. Because are they just, is it consequence free because it worked out? That's not cool. If they did get authorization, then fine. In which case, there should have been a line where Chapel says, yes, I did get permission. Now let's go. Yeah. Well, wasn't that the season premiere? Well, indeed. Yeah. Out. Like, <laughs> well, and, and to the credit of the season premiere, they made that one of the plot points, the fact that they went without authorization. So in this one, for like for Chapel to just sort of be cagey about it and not really answer the question of whether they do or don't have permission, that bothered me a lot. Mm. The next thing that was so incredibly dumb is that they go to the aliens to get help for Spock without bringing Spock? <laughs> And then when they come back, the she's just like, like, okay, I fixed it. It'll take a few minutes for you to reboot. But seriously, and then she, she gets in the hypo spray? Like, come on. That was inexcusably stupid. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Right. I thought it was contrived uh, and uh, dovetailing into this, having uh, 
Ahura and uh, Laan. Was it Laan? No, Ortega's Ortegas. Mm. Uh, or- Ortega's makes sense because Chapel can't pilot a, a shuttle, as far as we know. Uh, but why Uhura came along? I guess maybe because she was because she's the translator and she was yeah. she knew how to work the little thingy that presumably was going to help them make contact. Okay, yeah. It just it really seemed to me like they were along because they got to that point where uh, Chapel's girlfriends had to say, "All right, fess up." enough of this BS um, mm. and stop yeah. pretending you don't like Spock, which that felt really odd. Like the aliens would care about that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> indeed. That was another stupid thing. The aliens are like, well, we could help him, but do you love him? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, in, in my notes for that, I have yellow saying, um, I, I don't really know what any of that means, but I'm way over my SLA metrics on this call. So, you know, because it, it was the dimension of where call center employees go. Yeah. Well, the, also, you've got the you got the, the thing that um, they made Spock full human because the instructions weren't were bad. Right. So they so they decided to just make him exactly what the other one was. Wouldn't that mean that they made him a woman? <laughs> they well, just turned him into full human. And... Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't well, just two it. chapels like, come back? <laughs> well, indeed. I mean, it, we all agree it was contrived. And, you know, it's not the first time Star Trek has done something very hand wavy so that they could move on to whatever it is they're trying to do in an episode. So, yeah. uh, okay. The, the thing Hence... that bothered me in that scene, and this is very me. I want to know how big the damn Vulcan system is because Uhura says, I can't get a signal out to anything closer than a light year. That's a damn big solar system. Like our solar earth, Pluto, which took 10 years to get to from earth is about 15 light minutes away. (laughs) Well, and they were going through at sub impulse speeds through the system. I mean, that would be a couple days from our moon to the planet just to get uh, it, they must have been coasting in so <laughs> well i'm just saying if 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 the the moon is the moon they visited is in the vulcan system but it's more than a light year away from vulcan that's a really big ass system mm. well maybe when they say vulcan system they don't mean like the vulcan solar system but they mean vulcan space like you know what what be. is like owned if you will by what the vulcans have you know conquered or whatever yeah, yeah. perhaps more, more accurately the sector perhaps well they did they said we're going to the vulcan system the galaxy is big but a solar system is not a light year across because the but vulcan the galaxy is as big as every script needs it to be <laughs> <laughs> because i mean how many times in star trek i say well we've got to get to this other solar system and it takes some you know six hours to get there <laughs> you know, or something like that. But I want to talk. Okay, so I want to mention. I'm gonna tell you what I got from the ending. To Pring tells Spock, we once shared our katra. We change. We exchanged each other's katras. We know more about each other than anybody else. But you trusted all these people on this ship more than you trusted me. So I think we need to take a break. Spock immediately goes and starts making out with Chapel. And it's like, okay, so you didn't care about her at all. 
I, I kind of th- have to, and, and Nick, you may be surprised by this, but I was very disappointed with what Chapel did because I think she took advantage of Spock in a moment of weakness. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, I can see. I that. killed it. When, there she, you go. when she goes to when she goes to his quarters and kisses him, you mean yeah. in that moment she's yeah. taking advantage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's 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 just been through a hell of an ordeal, and he tells her, "I just you know my my fiance just told me, you know I, I know you made the 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 friends joke. We're on a break, um, you know." But we, it doesn't we, excuse Spock. No, and I'm not saying it does, but. You know, I, I said I said uh, the last time we talked about this that I think that there needs to be more to the the, the Chapel Spock relationship than just carrying a torch for each other. For me to accept that the Chapel we will get to know later would still be carrying a torch for him, and it seems that's what they're doing, but they've also done it in a way that makes it that that. Spock's like, what what does this mean? And she's like, shut up and let's just go. And I think that 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 just felt weird to me. I thought it it felt very it felt too random or too too impulsive. It was a a very quick escalation, I felt, at least in the episode. Now we've been getting hints of this uh you know burgeoning relationship since since early last season they've been laying this groundwork from the beginning but to get up to this point where spock is now very newly unattached and they immediately turn things up to 10 or maybe nine because i doubt that they're saying i love you to each other but they 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 took some really big steps very quickly at the end of this episode now was she actually taking advantage? I don't know. I can certainly see how how it it could be read that way. But at the same time, I could also see how it's the both of them having these feelings for each other for a while now. And I think the show has done a fairly decent job of showing Spock being conflicted by by his being in a relationship with Tapring. And I he he's obviously invested in it i don't think his feelings are are false i don't think he's pretending to want to be in a relationship with her but he is legitimately developing feelings for two people at the same time and we've seen that conflict and i think the show's done done an all right job of it but now that the the conflict has been at least temporarily uh kind of settled with Tapring deciding that they need to take some time away from each other. He did not waste any time. I didn't exactly love how, uh, how eager and willing he was to, to jump into something, anything with Christine. But Christine went to his quarters as a medical professional. And we have dealt with this particular issue in more than one Star Trek situation, Bashir. Uh, I mean, we have no, we we don't know what the time frame, how long passed between giving him the hypo 
and they're making out. But I would say it it certainly felt like it was maybe hours at most. And I don't know that he was fully back to his Spock self. So why did she go to his quarters? For the same reason that he was just about to go to her quarters. He was, well, not necessarily. He was just leaving his quarters. We don't know what he was going to do. No, he He's, said he was He said, I was just on my way to see you. Oh, did yeah. he? Okay, I yeah. guess that part. And and don't I mean don't get me wrong I I ship the two of them as hard as anybody, but I think that it was it was inappropriate of Chapel to do what she did and and if he and if we had got if it had been the other way around if we had seen he showed up at her quarters I would have I would have said the same thing he should not have gone there. Well, my so when I saw the 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 last scene between Spock and uh, Tapring when she was saying, you know, what I summed up earlier, my thoughts were, she, I mean, she, I mean, she's a Vulcan and she expresses her her emotions and everything too, but she loves him, even though that they were his family obligations that they were probably put together and all that kind of stuff, but she loves him and you could see it in that scene, and. She he just she said uh, she said we need to take a break or whatever and he just let her go and I think that uh, I think that she's a better match for him this version of Tapring is a better match for him than Chapel is and he shouldn't have just let her walk out the door uh, and he definitely shouldn't have as soon as she left gone and started making out with another lady. <laughs> but Spock doesn't love Tapring; he loves Chapel. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. But just in that scene, I was like, man, she's, I mean, she really cares about him, you know, and I, I, I guess yeah, I felt does. bad for her. It, 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 no, I feel bad for her, too. She's getting thrown over and it's pretty shitty. And I mean, she'll get her revenge eventually. When yeah. She comes back to Vulcan and, and has to fight for her. But And speaking of that revenge. And I, I think we can wrap up on this. This is a question that I had when I watched the episode, and and I think Rick would probably be perfect for answering it. This, um, I uh, allegedly, ostensibly, temporary hold on the engagement between Spock and Dupree. Did this episode do all the necessary work to set the stage for a mock time? No. Okay. No, what, what there, else? there needs to be a little more. Well, I mean, what is what is missing to get us from where we ended this episode of Strange New Worlds to the TOS episode? Okay. Oh, uh, as far as story elements, I mean, we we all want for there to be more so they can they can flesh the whole thing out. But since my my lack of familiarity with TOS. I know the episode, of course, and I've seen it more than once, but it's been a long time and I haven't seen it enough to have everything memorized. So I don't know where the pieces still have to move to be in place well, for a mock time. But there's more than just a mock time that has to be accounted for, but I'll I'll let Rick go ahead. Um one, we need more than to bring being more than just annoyed with Spock. She has to decide that she absolutely does not want this marriage to happen. But she can't just say it. Uh, so she has to maneuver Stan in 
and that's probably harsher than that's not the maneuver is not the right word. She has to develop a relationship with Stan and then realize that she would be better off with Stan, but because she is locked into this marriage with Spock, she has to find a way out of it. That is not uh, just, you know, I part with the whatever. Um, yeah. It's unclear to know. me at this point, if, if Spock and Dupring are still engaged, I mean, they just did that ritual, but I, I guess none of us really know enough about Vulcan um, engagement, how it works to know, like, are they still officially engaged and, or does something more have to happen where it's established that they are engaged, but they're not, you know, together because when a mock time comes around, Spock reacts very, um, negatively to having to go back to Vulcan to marry her. So that, so something has to happen with him that he's so, that he becomes so resentful because the way they've left it now, there's no reason for him to be feeling that way. You know, she would be feeling resentful. That makes sense for her, mm -hmm. but he, something has to happen with him where he develops a certain animosity towards her. In in Amok Time, they establish that there is some sort of telepathic bond created between the two when they're betrothed. And so when Spock goes into the... You can stay up till I'm done, baby. Um, when Spock goes into the, the Ponfar, um, he had kind of hoped that being half human, he wouldn't have to deal with that. But then it happened anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and so he had to go back to Vulcan. Um and, but you're right. He absolutely did not want to. And this Bach, you know, he's he's incredibly conflicted. So I, I really think there needs to be more than just, you know, a spat to to drive the wedge between them to make to Pring go to the lengths she does to get out of the marriage and to make Spock want to pretend it never happened. My theorizing is that sometime between now and the end of Strange New Worlds, Tepring will somehow return, whether overtly or covertly, to sabotage this relationship between Chapel and Spock, which is why they are not in a relationship throughout TOS. And perhaps that is why Spock doesn't want to go back and, and see Tepring, because he knows that she's the reason that he and Chapel can't be together. Just a theory. I don't know... If this is just um, me want, like if this is wishful thinking on my part, but what I think is going to happen is that Spock is going to, of his own accord, um, extract himself from a relationship with Chapel because he, the emotions of being in love with her is going to be too much for him to deal with. Mm. We know from Voyager with, you know, flashbacks to Tuvok's youth, that it can be dangerous for a Vulcan to be passionate about their romantic attraction to someone. Mm -hmm. And Spock is being, I mean, to your point, Rick, about how at the beginning, you know, he says like, Oh, I'm, I'm good now. I've done this therapy and I'm good now. I think you're right. He's not quite good because the fact that he does embrace chapel so passionately there 
he's still experiencing emotions at a much more heightened level than he should be for a Vulcan, which is to say, not should be as in like from a moral standpoint, like from a, from a health perspective, he's going to be overcome by these emotions and he's going to get violent. I think that's what they're going to do. There's going to be an episode which will be quite tragic where he, you know, endangers her in some way with his um, passion towards her or she'll meet Corby and forget all about him and she'll ditch him. But that doesn't really make sense because she's still carrying a torch for him in TOS. So I think it's more likely going to be that he finds himself unprepared to deal with his emotions regarding her. And that's, that's what's going to split them apart. And that's why there's going to be this weird tension between them and TOS. Mm. I, I think with Corby, I think they're, they're definitely leading up to her meeting him. That, mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty clear. Um, I think maybe we may be putting more of a monogamous spin on chapel than she does, than she warrants. Uh, I agree that she's going to meet Corby and fall in love with him. I don't think she's ever going to forget Spock though. And I think Corby's going to be the safer bet. The, the more traditional, you know, I can't have Spock, but this guy wants me and I'm, I'm kind of into him too. Um, but I think, I think chapel would, wouldn't, would be totally capable of having both of them in her life if she could get away with it. Right. But she can't get away with it. Yeah. I I'm picturing, um, and John's probably gonna edit this out. The, uh, apart from early Mash, when Houlihan had been with Frank Burns, and then she comes back and she's engaged to you know her Donald Penobscot. Donald Penobscot, yeah, yep, and comes back and no, you you know keeps Burns away, you know because she's an engaged woman now, and so maybe that's what's going to be in the intervening years when she comes back to the Enterprise. I'm engaged now. You stay over there. He's Spock is is uh, heeding her her wishes and staying away. Well, Diane brought her extreme. new brought her new guy back to the bar, and he ended up getting his own series. Well, yeah, <laughs> Coming in 2029, Star Trek Corby. <laughs> okay, two really quick nitpicks just to see if it bothered anyone else. Kirkovians. Meh. <laughs> I was like, really? All right. Um, we, we, we've been doing this for almost 60 years now. Sometimes you got to stretch for these alien race names. Um, and then the other thing that really made me crazy was, and this is really stupid, I admit, Pike's on, on his on his regular duty uniform, his, his gold uniform, his delta was sticking up. It wasn't laying flat on his chest for some reason. It was like sticking out and it was making me crazy. I did not notice that. Though I will say in, in regards to your first point, Rick, were you watching with subtitles? No. Okay. I didn't need to. They were calling them Kirkovians. <laughs> if if it helps you at all, they spelled it with a K-E-R. Yeah. So you know Yeah, that doesn't help. That's something. <laughs> is the is the is the thing about Pike and uh where if he's not on duty, he's cooking, is that starting to wear a little thin? And like he's always cooking something. Every time they show him in his quarters, he's cooking. Okay, haven't you ever known when you were gonna? Die oh God, Rick, with your with, with your have you ever? <laughs> Every 
everyone knows when you've seen a vision of your own death, you become a chef. <laughs> he's he's eating his feelings constantly. So I mean, I do like that they've given Pike uh, you know a hobby, and his hobby is cooking. We do see it a lot. I think the the only thing about it that bothers me is it feels like so far this season a majority of pike scenes have been pike cooking because yeah. that's how little we've seen of pike so far this season that's the only reason it bothers me is connected with the fact that we've had we've been very light on anton i want to know why every uh little heart to heart every crew members having are in pike's quarters his massive quarters. Blonde, spock conversation was in pike's quarters his massive I, I took that i guess maybe because he's got a quarter of the entire his, primary hull is his this ship has got to be huge compared to the original enterprise this can't be the same enterprise this this the, ship the, is they're ginormous playing with space quite a lot <laughs> though spock's conversation with lan spock's conversation with to at the end of the episode i I don't think that either of those took place in Pike's quarters. I just think that a lot of the rooms, a lot of the sets that they're making for the series. saddle just... was behind Spock during the conversation with him and La'an. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took it as a ready room that it no longer exists in TOS time. So, Yeah, I guess. Spock I mean, has a saddle too. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, we've never seen Pike's. Uh, bedroom in there, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, Pike's bedroom. Okay, I think we've gone a little bit too far into uh, Starfleet interior decorations, which means <laughs> it's time to end the show. Also, because we are super long. There's obviously more that we could talk about with this episode because it is a wellspring of of discussion topics, but we're going to leave that for you, the listeners. Uh, feel free to uh, you know jump on our Facebook page uh, and comment when this when you see this episode in our Facebook group. Go ahead and leave comments there and let let us know what you think of these various different topics. But for tonight, we are going to bring things to an end. Let's go around the circle and have everyone tell the good listeners where they can find you elsewhere on the web. Rick, where can people find you? You can find me right here on the Infinite Potato Alliance on various shows like this one and Captain Captain Potato, Cosmic <laughs> Potato, and Captain Game Show. Uh, and barring that, no further contact is necessary. <laughs> All right. Tom, do you have anything that you would like the listeners out there to know? Uh, just you can find me here and on Facebook and in the Cosmic Potato occasionally. Excellent. Neek, where are you found on the internet? If you want to read my Star Trek Neek caps, you can go to superanemic.com. And if you'd like to listen to Moon Show, the For All Mankind podcast, you can stay right here at the Infinite Potato Alliance. Oh, that's right. I'm on Moon Show, too. Moon Show, Moon Show. Moon Show. He's on Moon Show. And finally, Sean, the boss. Where can people find you? Uh, you have already found me, or you can find me at uh, Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. Other than that, you can find me studying distribution power delivery during the week or playing with Hot Wheels with my grandson. You know what I just realized? We never placated Chris by talking about Chapel's hair. I guess that's going to have to wait. Uh, yep. Yep. We're, we're, we're out of time. Can't do it. 
<laughs> Sorry, Chris, we can't talk about that gorgeous, gorgeous hair. You can find me here on the <laughs> Infinite Potato Alliance. Uh, hosting this very show, occasionally popping up on Cosmic Potato, Captain Game Show, and as a recurring panelist on Moon Show. Outside of podcasting, you can find some of my graphic artwork on my very own website, www.planetrisecreative.com. And with that, we want to thank everyone for listening, downloading, hopefully subscribing. Come find us on Facebook and join us next episode where we discuss Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 6, Lost in Translation. See you then. Oh, God, Bill Murray's going to be on that episode, isn't he? (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on that Star Trek podcast. So it's, it just seemed kind of a strange choice to like be reminding us that Spock doesn't have emotions and stuff like that. But I, the, the I, think that imp- I think it was I think it was important was in this the... episode. But how long were you going to do it? I didn't hear. I, I didn't hear, I didn't hear either one of you. <laughs> <laughs> Once I realized you were talking, I stopped, but I didn't hear you right now. Go ahead. Rick, go. <laughs>